Good morning, guys. Would you stand up with us and worship this morning? Sing this with me now. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? In awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Come on, sing this out. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my throne.
let's just sing about God's great love. Your love so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years. Still I'll be singing. How can I praise you enough? How can I praise you enough? You are the Lord. You are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean, oh, nothing else compares. Creation calls all to the Savior. We are alive for your praise in earth and sky. No one is higher. God of wonders you reign. You are the Lord. You are the Lord Almighty. Outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Oh, nothing else compares. You are the Lord Almighty. Shining all the stars in glory Your love is like the wildest ocean Oh, nothing else could fail Sing this out, not to us, but to your name Not to us but to your name we lift up all praise sing that again not to us but to your name we lift up all praise not to us but to your name we lift up To your name, we lift up 
healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. Sing it out, guys. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battles, my grateful for your grace and your mercy and your love, God. No matter what we face or what we're going through, God, you're right there. You're standing by my side every step of the way. Father, we love you so much. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning, everyone. We're so excited that you're here. You've chosen a fantastic day to hang out with us here at Springwell. Why? Because we're going to be celebrating baptism. Whether you're brand new to church or you've been around for years, we understand that baptism can seem a little confusing. So we want to make it as simple as we possibly can. Baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward decision. Today, we're going to be celebrating with people who have decided to make Jesus Christ the priority in their life. Their, their lives have been changed by the good news that He came to die for them, rose again, so that they can have a brand new life. 
So today you're going to see people going underwater. That's a symbol that we have died to our old ways of living, our old desires, and that when we are raised out of the water, we're made a new creation. Now we desire the things that God desires and that He has changed us and made us something new. Now you may have noticed that I use the word celebrate a couple of times, and it's because that's what we do here when it comes to baptism. You're going to hear us shout, you're going to hear us clap our hands, we're going to be singing, and we're going to have a great time. Why? Because we know that heaven celebrates every time someone chooses to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So you have really chosen a fantastic day to be here with us today at Springwell. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Let's get ready to celebrate. So um, when we do baptism here at Springwell, we always ask people, to sign up ahead of time if you're interested in getting baptized and what service you would like to get baptized. Um, everyone signed up for the second service this Sunday. But if you're interested in getting baptized, um, see someone at the table uh, today after the service, and we would love to baptize you during the second service today. Um, as, we prepare to, as we prepare to give um, out of all that God's given to us, um, you know that there's different ways you can give here at Springwell. You can give at the kiosk. The kiosk, if you had trouble with it last week, is back up and running, running smoothly. Um, so if you can give at the kiosk, you can text the number that's going to be on the screen in just a moment. Um, you can give online, springwell.org, um, or you can give um, in the buckets as they come by in just a moment. If this is your first or maybe even your second time here, don't feel like you have to participate in this in this time. This is a time for those of us that call Springwell home to to worship through giving, to return part of what God's given to us. So if you're on the left side of the row, you can pick up that bucket and pass it to the right. Hey, y'all, you feel good? You look incredible. You know, I was just thinking a few minutes ago, uh, sometimes, you know, worship is so incredibly important. It's, it's important for me personally. And uh, honestly, sometimes I think that, that we kind of shortchange you guys. It, it's, uh, it, it seems like that when the, when, the, when the crowd's a little more quiet, a little more subdued, that, that maybe we just kind of go through an order and then we get to the second service and there's energy in the room and there's this thing and so we do you know we, we might do a song again and so I just thought that's just so wrong uh, because worship is so incredibly important and I was thinking the words of that song you are worthy and these are a couple verses uh, several verses I start my prayer time off every single morning with these verses let me just read them to you out of Romans 11 oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable your judgments and your paths beyond tracing out. Who has ever known the mind of God? Who has ever been your counselor? That's my translation there. It's my words I put in. Who has ever given to God? Who has ever given to you that you should repay us? Well, that would be nobody, right? 
For it is from you and by you and through you and for you that all things have been created, that all things are. See, I need those verses. I need to start my day because sometimes my day is like your days. You know, you're fitting to start a day and it's kind of overwhelming, right? And, and it's uh, the task of the day, daunting. And so I need to start my day being reminded of how big God is. See, that's what, for me, that's what worship does. It just reminds me of how big God is. I don't get lost in my day. And then this passage, uh, you, you hear me say this a lot. At least I'm predictable. Sometimes. Out of Isaiah 40, as I, as I take Maggie out every morning, I look up into the night sky, early morning sky, the dark sky, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each one by name. It is because of his great power and mighty strength that not one of them is missing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've gone through this week. I don't know what stares you in the face tomorrow. But we serve a God who is just incredibly awesome and big. And I'm reminded, you know, he, he did create the starry host and he calls each one by name. And yet, he's so intimate that he knows me by my name and he knows what I'm going through. And not just that he, he knows my name and he knows what I'm going through, but that he cares. All the little bitty things of my life, it matters to him. And the thing that I can be comforted in is that I don't walk alone each day. And I have wonderful people that I get to walk through life with here on earth. But it's knowing that I have Him, that He loves me, that He's crazy about me. So I just want us to, we're going to do that, that last song. We're just going to do it again. Is that okay? Cool. So respond, okay? Don't just sit there. <laughs> hey, you know what? You may be one of those people, it seems like, you know, for the early morning folks, you are a little more quiet. You are a little more reserved. I just want to take you somewhere, Okay? Maybe, you know, you wouldn't holler and shout at a football game either. Maybe you would. I just want to take you somewhere. I just want you to sit there just for a little bit and just reflect.
to be reminded that you are God, that you are in control, that you are big. God, but that you are also small enough that you care. God, you're intimate. Father, you are worthy of everything. God, you're all-powerful. God, we are so small and we are so undeserving. God, you're the author of our story. Father, you know every step that we've taken, you know, every time that we fall down, every time that you've helped us back up. God, you know the struggles in this moment. You know the pain, the grief, the heartache. But God, you know that, that there is hope for tomorrow. God, you know that there are bigger and better things waiting on us because of the cross, because you have all the victory. God, you've won it all. You've defeated death. God, you are worthy. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this moment. Father, it's in your name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. pretty sweet wasn't it you know I think thank you for uh you know allowing me the freedom to just to the best of my ability you know try to hear you know the Holy Spirit when he speaks uh I'm I'm convinced I know that for me maybe I just speak for me sometimes but you know the only reason really I mean you want to experience God when you come to church right I mean isn't, isn't that the point 
And, um, and, and so God moves in, in, in different ways, mysterious ways, and sometimes he speaks through songs, sometimes, sometimes he speaks, hopefully, through a message, you know, through his word. Uh, but he speaks in different ways, and I hope that what we'll always do is just be sensitive to whatever it is God's doing and just allow him the freedom to do that. Because, again, I think that's what, you, that's what you're hungry for. That's what you're thirsty for. That's what you show up for. Uh, we don't reach a lot of religious people. You know, that just show up just because it's Sunday and that's the churchy thing to do. You know, the people we reach, most of the people that we reach, primarily the people that we reach are people that are really hungry, you know, to just experience Jesus. And so thank you for, you know, allowing me that freedom. I always feel that. Uh, so if I don't have it, don't tell me. <laughs> just don't tell me. Uh, so now we're going to finish up our series on uh, soul rest. And I thought that it would be really good if we just defined rest. I know what you're thinking, like, shouldn't you have started off maybe the first week <laughs> with the definition of rest? Probably, I'm a little slow, and so, but we're going to define it today. So here's what I found in the dictionary. Here we go. To rest means to cease from action or motion. Stop doing what you were doing. It means to stop uh, from labor or exertion. I think that makes sense, don't you? Hello, are you with me? Thank you. Uh, then the next, uh, the dictionary defines rest as relief. I thought this was incredible. Relief or freedom. Re rest is freedom. Especially from anything that wearies, troubles, or disturbs. So to rest means to be free from whatever hassles you, from whatever drags you down, from whatever it is or whoever it is. Sometimes it's a thing, right? Sometimes it's... It's a situation that you're in. Sometimes it's an addiction. Sometimes it is a job. Sometimes it's a lot of things that you can point to. Sometimes it's people, though, right? Whatever it is that hassles you, rest would be relief from that thing or that person. Here's what I found interesting. I also found this. It's on the Internet. It's got to be true. Rest is also defined as to remain confident. I thought that was interesting. Rest, as defined by the dictionary, is to remain confident, to put your trust in something. And it's nice to have confidence, wouldn't you agree? For those of you that maybe struggle with confidence, some of you, you're all about some confidence, but there's others of us that really struggle. And so I just think it would probably be really neat to go through life with no fear, no wavering, no doubt, just this sense, I got this. I can, I can do this. Hello? You with me? But here's what's tough. What's tough is when you have critical people that are around you telling you that you can't. In fact, they don't just say that you can't. Some people may have looked at you and said, you can't, you never have, and you never will. So today what I want to talk about is, is how to deal with critical people. So how many of you would say, I know some critical people? You can raise your hand. It's okay. They don't have to be like right beside you. You know, so you can absolutely. Most of us probably would say that there's been some critical people in our lives. And if we're gut level honest, I think that we would probably say these critical people have the ability to just suck the life right out of you, don't they? The Bible's full of examples of uh, people that were critical. For example, in the Old Testament, Moses was criticized by his own family members when he married a woman that would have been outside of his particular race. 
Uh, you don't hear this talked about in church a whole lot, but it's the truth. He married a Cushite woman. We're more comfortable with that because we don't know what that is. But it was a lady that was from Ethiopia. Hello. And, and so his, his family members didn't like it. And so they were very critical of him. And then, and then it was Moses, the guy, you know, his people had prayed for over 400 years. You know, we, we want to be free. We want to be free. We want to be free. And then God uses Moses to set his people free. And then once they were free, once they were out of Egyptian bondage, you know, once they were on their way to the promised land, they said, we want to go back to slavery. We want to go back to slavery. We want to go back to slavery. It's a crazy story. I mean, some days you just can't win, right? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he was criticized. Some people called him a hypocrite. Some people said that he wasn't a good teacher. And even if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was criticized. It's, it's crazy. A man who never sinned was criticized. The Son of God. They said, you know what? Look at this guy. He can't really be godly. At least not religious because look at the people that he hangs out with. He hangs out with sinners. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. And they separated even the tax collectors. I mean, like, if you work for the IRS, you were bad, right? And they said, look, look at who he eats with. I mean, he hangs out with the lowest of the low. And so they criticized him. They criticized him when he healed on, on the Sabbath. Obviously, none of them needed healing. Because if you were one of those people who received healing, you wouldn't have cared what day it was, right? I think we all know what it's like to be criticized. And the truth of it is, is it can wear you out. It can keep you up at night. Have you ever been criticized to the extent that, that you, you knew that you weren't going to sleep for a couple of days? I've said that literally. I've looked at people. Maybe I got that email. Maybe I got that letter, you know, anonymous. You know, I usually think you wimp. You won't even put your name. You won't even sign your name, but you send me this letter. Talked to a pastor just last week who experienced this anonymous letter of someone being extremely critical. And here's what I found. At least there was a time when I was younger that those kinds of things would keep me up. I would look at my friends and say, I'm going to be over it, but I'm not going to sleep for a couple nights. There's going to be a couple nights that this thing is going to keep me up. You know what? It, it will stop you dead in your tracks, won't it? Criticism can stop you dead in your tracks. It stops you dead. You're, it enables you, it stops you from being able to make decisions that you need to make because you're scared to death. Well, they said I'm stupid. They said I'm an idiot. They said that I'm a loser. <clears throat> and I have this critical decision to make and I'm afraid that it's going to be the wrong one. And so you stay up at night. You're afraid to make a decision. You're paralyzed by fear. The fear of those critical, the, the, that those critical people have instilled in you that you can't, you never will, you never have, and you never will. So how do we respond? Well, there's at least two wrong responses. And the first wrong response is, is that I think our tendency is that when we're criticized is to fight. Are y'all with me? Y'all look at me like you're real spiritual. You don't even know what that means. I'm talking about you want to put them up. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I remember the second church that I pastored was while I was in seminary. If you've been here, you've probably heard at least me tell a version of this story. Uh, I was young and inexperienced. Did I mention the fact that I was young and inexperienced? Did I mention the fact that I was really spiritually immature? I was immature because I let a deacon's meeting happen on a Sunday morning before the worship hour, you know. That was stupid. I told you I was inexperienced and completely, you know, dumb. I mean, dumb as a rock. 
I was dumb as a sack of hair. Don't ever do that on a Sunday morning, you know, if you're in the ministry. And so I, we had this deacon's meeting, and this deacon all of a sudden, I mean, from out of nowhere, he looked at me and said, boy, you couldn't preach yourself out of a wet paper bag with a butcher knife. And I said, I don't even know what that means. I mean, I couldn't do what? And then he looked at me. I'll never forget this. He said, boy, you ain't never been God called. You've been mama called. Let me, let me just say, without saying a lot more, I didn't swing. I never, I never threw a punch. It's probably because he didn't swing. It's probably the only reason, because I would have tore him up. I'm just... In the name of Jesus, this is why I mean. But let me just say this. I did say some things to that man that morning that wasn't right. And here's what I learned. You know what? When I said things that weren't very Christian, much less being a pastor. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all feeling me, some of y'all not. But I'm just saying, yeah. Fighting has never been the right thing most of the time. Maybe when somebody's criticizing you, you know what, your heart starts to beat a little bit faster, right? Your blood pressure goes up just a, just a tad. You feel the pressure. And what do you want to do? You want to defend yourself, right? That's what I've always wanted to do. That's what I've always done. But it's not the correct response. Second response that's not correct is, is that we will fight, and then for others, it's flight. Is we just leave. I'm out, Girl Scout. You know, I'm out of here. I mean, I'm just going to walk away. And so what we, we, then we spend our lives trying to avoid people that are critical. We never deal with any of the, the situations at hand. We never deal with the person. We just tend, our tendency is to run and to avoid. And it's a wrong response. So what is the right response, right? I'm glad you asked. Here's the first response. It's to listen. I, I put listen, and then I thought about it all morning. I should have said stay and listen. <laughs> you should stay and listen. I know some of you are going to need a verse, and so I got one for you. Proverbs 15, you're thinking, is this in the Bible? It actually it is. Proverbs 15, 31, if you listen to constructive criticism, already out of the gate, you're thinking, I don't even like the word constructive. I don't care how many times you slide the word, well, it's just constructive criticism. Have any of you ever wanted to embrace constructive criticism? When some people look at you and say, this is going to hurt me more than it does you, and you're thinking, no, it's not. I know that it's coming. Constructive criticism, that's what it says. You will be at home among the wise. If you listen to constructive criticism, there's another verse, another translation. I'm going to give you that in a minute. I think it makes more sense. You will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. And so nobody likes to be criticized. One of the things that I learned early on as a pastor is that you are going to be criticized. It is going to happen. People aren't going to like the message on a Sunday morning. Some people think you're too loud. Other people think you're not loud enough. Some people think you're too long. Some people think you're too short. No, that one's never happened. You're going to be criticized. It's just a part of life. So, you know, no matter how many times you try to graciously slide the word constructive in front of it, it's still hard to deal with. I've got to learn to listen, but I've got to learn to listen to the right people. 
So criticism can be good, but you've got to know who you're going to listen to. I think Proverbs uh, 27 helps us with knowing who I'm going to listen to. Okay, constructive criticism. Actually, another verse, we'll see it in just a minute. Uh, same verse, different translation, life-giving instruction. That sounds better than criticism, doesn't it? <clears throat> so who am I going to listen to? Because that is a key. Proverbs 27 says it like this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So we should listen to people who we would consider to be a friend, somebody that their motivation is to help, somebody that genuinely loves us. There are people in my life that can say anything they want to say to me. And the reason that those people can speak truth into my life, and those people, most of them know who they are, and that's not a long list. I'm just, I'm just, that's probably not fun. You thinking, am I on the list? Probably not. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. But there's just a short list of people that can speak into my life. But let me tell you why I trust those people. It's because I know those people have my best interest at heart. I know they love me. They're not just here to speak on behalf of the church or behalf of God. But they're here. These are people that have convinced me that they actually love me. So you want to be careful who you listen to. For example, like, so if somebody comes to you and they said, hey, fat boy, if they start off that way, it's not going to be a great conversation. I'll never forget this. This is a true story. I remember I was pastoring many years ago. I was in, I was in the hospital making a hospital visit. I was there. I was doing my duty. I loved being there. I loved the people that I was visiting. This man put his hand on my belly. He said, you're fat. I, this, is, this is a true story. <laughs> it was all kind of things going through my mind. And I could hear my wife, don't say it, don't say it, don't. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit, but it sounded like Karen's voice. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just stood there. I tried to take it like a man. And but then he said this. He said, but you know what? And then he, grabbed, he, he reached over and grabbed my arm. He said, but at least you got that old hard fat. I don't even know what to say. At least my fat's hard. Are you an idiot? I mean, have you lost your mind? Somebody that comes up to you and begins to criticize you. It looks like you had a little bit too much fruitcake over the holidays, buddy. You know what I'm talking about? And they pat your back and say nasty, ugly things. That's probably not somebody that has your best interest in, in mind. Maybe somebody would come up to you and say something like this. You know what? They got a buy one, get one free thing going on at the gym. Man, I'd love if you would just, we could just work out together. We could just go to the gym together. You know what I'm saying? People that love you, that have your best interest at heart, their motive is pure. Those are the kinds of people that you want to listen to. Second, I think this is a really good one. You want to listen to people that can actually help. Are you with me? You want, you want to listen to people who when they speak truth into your life, it's the kind of truth that you can listen to and they can actually help. Proverbs 15, 31, whoever heeds Life-given correction. That's what I like. It sounds a whole lot better than constructive criticism, doesn't it? It does. It does to me. We'll be at home among the wives. So you've got to listen to, to family. You've got to listen to friends. You've got to listen to people in your life that can give you life-given correction. And there's a couple practical thoughts. 
Don't listen to people when the person criticizing is characterized by being constantly critical. I mean, when some, there are, you know it's true. There were some people, that when they start speaking, when they open their mouth, you know they're going to be critical, don't you? Now, occasionally, they hit the nail on the head. Occasionally. But you don't want to listen to somebody that would say stupid things. Like, my boss is an idiot. My spouse is a dummy. I mean, I, you know, Scott's sermons are too long. Never listen to anybody that says that. You want to dismiss criticism that comes from people that can't see anything good in life because neither are they ever going to see anything good in you. A second practical point, I think, is don't, don't listen to people. Don't allow people to criticize you that have been emotionally, maybe even mentally wounded. People that are struggling and they're unhealthy, maybe mentally or emotionally. Now, you don't dismiss the person. You're able to embrace the person. You're able to love the person. You want to make sure that you spend time with that person. But I'm just saying that you, you, know, you don't want to listen to somebody. You don't want marital advice from somebody that's been divorced five times. And I know some of you are thinking, well, they must have learned something. I bet they could write a book. Five times? Probably not somebody that you want to get marital advice from. You don't want to listen to people that's been deeply hurt, that's been deeply wounded. You value the person, but you want to be cautious listening to those people. Jesus, uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine. I, I think about Jesus. I think, I mean, he was God's son. You know, I, I know. They didn't know. I know. But he was God's son. You know what I'm saying? God is love. God is love. That's what defines God. And to say Jesus, God in the flesh, as he walked on the face of the earth, to think that he would be criticized, it, I mean, it's a, it's a stretch for me. It, it really is. And yet he was he was criticized, and he was criticized by religious leaders. And he was criticized by religious leaders all the time. And so he told this little story about the Pharisees, and he compared them to plants. And here's what he said in Matthew 15. Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father is going to be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall in a ditch. I've been doing this a long time, and, and one of the things I've noticed in church is that church people sometimes can give advice that's absolutely, positively not based on Scripture at all. Hello? Maybe, maybe it's somebody that looks, maybe they, they love you. They're a Christian. They're a genuine follower of Jesus, but you've been hurt and you've been wounded. And rather than speaking truth into your life, they don't speak truth in your life. They just tell you what you want to hear. The most valuable advice that you can get is when somebody can go back to Scripture and say, I, I've, listen, I've said this more times than you can imagine. Well, y'all know me. You probably can't imagine that I've said it. I've literally took out Scripture and said, 
Here's what the Bible says. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. This is literally what the Bible says to do. And and I've had people to get upset with me and go, I can't believe. I said, well, it's not my opinion. I'm just telling you that the only thing that I know is to go back to Scripture. I'm not saying that I'm any better at it than you, but what I am saying is that if you want good, solid, sound advice, listen to people that can back that up with Scripture. So you're... Some of you are saying, so you think there's a Bible verse for every situation? I actually do. There are principles that are laid out in Scripture. There are things that are said in the Bible that just, when, when you get them, you go, wow. And then you, even when you doubt and you follow God's way, you come out on the other side going, you know what? That actually, actually works. The more successful that you become in whatever you do, you're going to be a target for criticism. If you become more successful at work, if, you're, if you own a business and your business becomes more successful, then I'm also going to tell you, you're going to be criticized. Go ahead and write it down. Know that it's coming. Somebody's not going to like you. You're going to be a target. Let me tell you what I've learned over the years. I have a great marriage. I'm crazy about my wife. She's hot as a match. Did y'all see her this morning? Whew. I mean, she's amazing. I, literally, it's funny because I have people that, that will say that to me now. Well, your wife. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can say that. You be careful. You get a little carried away talking about my wife. No, I don't. I usually smile and go, yes, that's what I'm talking about. We have a phenomenal marriage. We really do. And I tell, tell people all the time, ask my kids. Ask people that, you know, that, that have seen me in private, that see us in private. Are we like this all the time? And we are. But here's what I've learned is that when people have a sucky marriage, they want to be critical of those who don't. If you have a great marriage, you're going to be a target for criticism. If you're an effective leader in the community, you're going to, you're going to, be, uh, you're going to be subject to, to criticism. If, if you have a successful ministry, you are going to be criticized. It's going to happen. People have beat us up over the years for everything in the book. The weird thing of it is most of what they've said is not even true. And I remember in those early days, it would keep me up at night. But I've learned how to let it go. Am I, have I got this mastered yet? No. Am I better at it? I am. You know why? This is, this is the truth. It all goes back to one simple principle. For me, is I find a safe place in the presence of God. That's, that's why a few minutes ago, man, we were singing that song, and I thought, my gosh, Listen to the words of that song. They're awesome. And maybe, you know, you can be like me and get overwhelmed with life. Maybe people being critical. Maybe you're, 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 you've been paralyzed. You can't make decisions. You wonder if you're loved, if, you've, if you're worthy of love, if you could possibly be loved. And then suddenly when you understand the truth of what the Bible has to say is that God is absolutely crazy about us. And he proved it. These aren't just words. He proved it. So here's what I do, just so you know. I go before him and I say, Lord, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is that I please you. That's, I really do, God, because I'm, I'm not real smart, but I've learned enough that 
If I do things my way, if, if I try to go in my direction, it doesn't even matter if I find success. I'm still miserable. And that's, that's a kicker, isn't it? I mean, you have a plan, you follow the plan, you're successful in the plan, but there's no joy in the plan. There's no joy in the success. Are you with me? And so that you really do humble yourself and you say, God, here's the thing. I want you to examine my heart. That's Old Testament. Examine my heart. Know my ways. <clears throat> and God, whatever you see that's not pleasing to you, you point that out. And then when I can do that, as honestly and as humbly as I know how, even maybe going to a few friends and saying, okay, what do you think? Am I on track here? Do I need to be called out? Call me out. And when that happens, I can let it go. Dealing with criticism and with critical people is a part of life. I just don't know any way that you can avoid it. At the end of the day, there's only one thought that I really want you to take away from the day, and that's I've tried to say it as many different ways as I can, but I think this verse of Scripture probably says it better than I ever could. It's out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose, that's what Paul said. He said, man, listen, I've been criticized. I have been nailed to the wall. People, they've criticized me for everything in the book. But at the end of the day, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. He's the only one at the end of the day that matters. Uh, this has been, um, it's been kind of a crazy series for me. Uh, birthed, honestly, out of a lot of pain. Um, birth through years of struggling and, and trying to figure out how to do the Jesus thing. I, I know you would think at my age I'd have it all figured out. Uh, my theory is was that when you get it all figured out, you die. So I keep telling Jesus, I got things to learn. I got things to learn. I'm still learning. Some of you are really, really tired. You're soul tired. Not just a physical tired, not just an emotional tired, but it's a, it's a deep, deep tired. Some of you, you got ghosts from the past. Someone who spoke maybe negative words into your life and it's affected your self-image. It's crazy, isn't it? Those messages, those things that you heard when you were a kid. And you look in the mirror and you don't see the person that you've become. You see the person that someone else trapped you into thinking that you are from the past. Some of you are tired. You're weary. I just want to pray for you. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If that's you, if you would say, Man, critical people have so shaped my life. They've so shaped how I think, how I see myself, my self-image. And I'm just struggling to get past it. 
If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. You just slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Wow. Everybody look this way just for a second. I met with a, a lady a few years ago. I'll never forget this. Beautiful lady. Absolutely beautiful. I was thinking that as I was looking out and seeing some of you who raised your hand. And I was thinking as soon as you raised your hand, I thought, wow. Who would ever think? Because you look so good. And she told me she really struggled with her self-image. And I said, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, she was a beautiful lady. She was smart, incredibly intelligent, great job. I said, why, why would you struggle? She said, well, my mom and dad divorced when, when I was a kid. She said, but my mom was the one who left. She just walked out of our lives. I'll never forget this. She said, with tears in her eyes, and she said, if your mama don't love you, that was her perception. If your mama doesn't love you, why would anybody else? It's not always the people that you think. I mean, it can be the pretty people of the world who have those still have those negative images in their head. So I just want to pray for a number of you. Father, there are people that have, um, they've had those critical people in their lives that have absolutely devastated them, Lord. Father, what I would pray right now, man, is that, is that they would experience you. I mean, literally, God, I mean, feel your presence Lord that right now they would hear you and you would just whisper in their ear and you would just tell them that you love them that you're crazy about them that you would tell them that they matter that they're important that you have a plan for their lives that you don't make no jump there's some of you that are here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus and you just struggle and, and maybe you know you heard some religious talk and maybe you've just been under the impression that God there's no way that God can love somebody like you and I'm telling you that that's a lie I'm telling you that he loves you more than you could possibly imagine that he's crazy about you and that he wants to step into your life he's already proven it he went to the cross he gave his life on a Roman cross he allowed them to nail nails through his body and hang him naked between heaven and earth and before that, they beat him almost to death by scourging. And he did every bit of that just so he could say to you right now, I love you. I'm crazy about you. What I want is a relationship with you. And you're right. You are a sinner, but I'm paying the price for your sin. I'm giving my life. That's how much I want to be in a relationship with you. It's incredible, isn't it? that would be a sweet story but if he was just 
a dead Savior. What, what good can a dead Savior do for you? Nothing. But he's been, he was raised on the third day. He's alive. And this morning, he wants to step into your life if you'll let him. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray this prayer right there quietly in your seat. Maybe you'd say something like this. Father, wow, I just never really understood your love to this very moment. I'm overwhelmed that you would love somebody like me. You'd see potential in somebody like me, that somebody like me would matter. But you know what? He's right. The cross proves it. So I just want to say thank you. And I do believe that you're alive. I can feel your presence. And, and I, just, I just want to surrender my life to you and ask you to forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. From this day forward, I want to do the best I know how to follow you. To be a faithful follower. Everybody look this way. So, if you just prayed that prayer, uh, here's the cool thing for us. is, Man, I'd love to baptize you. Um, and we'll do that in next service. Uh, and you're probably thinking, well, you guys got it made. Because I'm going to say the same thing in the second service. And it's going to be crazy. People, they're just going to walk up and be baptized. And I, we do this every time, just about every time. And I always think, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I mean, don't tell them I said that, you know, but I, I usually think that, you know, like, wow. But the Spirit of God is so awesome and He's so powerful and people just get up right where they are and they just make their way down. It's crazy. But that's, that's the power of God. And so, you know, they won't have time to go home. You guys could like, go home and get a change of clothes. Uh, we have clothes here. I mean, we didn't go to the mall or anything. It's, you know, it's, it's like shorts from Target and that kind of thing. But we got some stuff for you. And we would be more than happy. I would be grateful to have the opportunity to baptize you. So, I'm just saying. We're going to do that next service. So, if you're not a follower, if you are a follower of Jesus, and maybe you haven't followed through with baptism, or you just prayed that prayer and you just accepted Christ, today's the day. Follow through and let the world know that Jesus is your Savior.